how are we doing on food? At my house, that question's pretty easy to answer. You look in the pantry, look in the fridge, toss out the spring mix that we didn't eat yet again. But when you expand that question to a larger scale, it becomes a little more challenging to answer. So how are we, as a globe, doing on food? Well, each year, the Global Agriculture Productivity Initiative at Virginia Tech attempts to provide some answers to that question with their report commonly called the GAP Report. So I was curious, what exactly is in the GAP Report? How do they go about creating it? And how can somebody like me use it? Well, Virginia Tech's Tom Thompson and Jessica Agnew were kind enough to answer all of those questions and more. Tom is the Associate Dean of Virginia Tech's College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, which is commonly called COWS. He's also the Director of COWS Global, the office that produces the GAP report, where he is the Executive Editor of the report. Jessica is the Associate Director of COWS Global and the Managing Editor of the GAP report. Both were kind enough to chat with me and answer all my questions in the weeks prior to the next GAP report, which will come out on October 3rd. We talked a little bit about the history of the GAP report, how it comes together, and what gives both of them hope for the future. I'm Travis Williams, and this is Virginia Tech's Curious Conversations. So I guess to begin this, what is the GAP report? Well, Travis, the GAP report, GAP stands for Global Agricultural Productivity Report. Um, which we have have uh, written and published here at Virginia Tech since 2019. But there's a bit of history behind it that I'd like to uh, share with uh, with you as well. And that is the GAP report was actually founded in 2010 uh, by uh, a group of um, agricultural industry insiders, I would say, um, and they eventually created a nonprofit called the Global Harvest Initiative. The Global Harvest Initiative wrote and published the GAP report between 2010 and, and 2018. It's an annual report that tracks trends in what's called total factor productivity in agriculture uh, around the world. In 2018, the board of the Global Harvest Initiative, or GHI, uh, decided that the organization was going to cease operations, but they wanted the GAP report to live on. And so uh, they thought that a a major land-grant university focused on agriculture was the next logical home for the GAP report. And so they reached out to some leading land-grant universities, including Virginia Tech, and uh, we put in the winning bid. And so it came to Virginia Tech at the beginning of 2019, and we've led it ever since then. And uh, we haven't changed the focus of the report. Uh, We carry on the work that was established originally in 2010, but we've also built a lot of additional work and and focus around the GAP report. As we like to say, we, we, we now lead what's called the GAP Initiative. Global Agricultural Productivity Initiative, and the GAP report is the heart of that initiative. Prior to 2019, was Virginia Tech involved at all with the GAP report? Not at all. No. Virginia Tech had nothing to do with the GAP report, but one of the companies on the board of the Global Harvest Initiative was Smithfield Foods, based in Virginia, and longtime friends and, and colleagues of the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. And so that was the connection that, that let us know about this opportunity to lead the GAP report. 
They're also uh, behind the bacon at the basketball games, right? <laughs> that's right. So that's a very fond relationship <laughs> that we have, I believe. With <laughs> uh, Smithfield and really all the companies, we have five uh, major agribusiness companies that provide uh, financial support, but also support in so many other ways for the work of the Gap Report. And, and all of them, including Smithfield, have been incredibly supportive of us. Well, you mentioned uh, this total total factor productivity, and I'm curious maybe if, if one of you could maybe explain what that is. Well, it's an economics term, and I'm not an economist, and um, so I know enough to be very dangerous. Uh, but uh, really, to boil it down, total factor productivity, which is a term that's applied across many different kinds of sectors of the economy, not just agriculture, but it is a measure of efficiency. In agriculture, in brief, it's a measurement of how efficiently we use resources and inputs in agriculture to create outputs, outputs of crops, livestock, and aquaculture products. So it, it is calculated by economists. Um, the data that we use is a global data set of total factor productivity uh, from every country in the world that's put together by the Economic Research Service of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So we don't create the data. But we use the data to create the report. And so um, the, the TFP, total factor productivity data, accounts for essentially the quantities on a country level, the quantities of all of the resources and inputs that can be quantified or monetized and then calculates those against what are the outputs. So when total factor productivity is increasing, on a, a national scale or on a regional scale or global. What that means is that we are producing more with the same or fewer resources and inputs. That is, we're getting more efficient. Okay. And what are some, uh, maybe some examples of inputs? Inputs can be things that are uh, uh, as simple as fertilizers, for example. Uh, fertilizers are an input that, you know, we've been very familiar with for a long time. Uh, in, in some places such as sub-Saharan Africa, they're still expensive and difficult to access for many producers. But it's not just using fertilizers that creates total factor productivity growth. It's using them more efficiently. I'll give you an example from the United States. Total fertilizer application rates or use in the U.S. essentially peaked in 1980. And yet, for 40 years, we have continued to increase our agricultural output and our yields. And the reason is total factor productivity increase. We are getting more efficient with that. But, but other kinds of inputs would include improved seeds uh, from improved varieties of crops or hybrids, which is where you cross two varieties, the same crop to create a more vigorous uh, variety. It can include um, genetically modified crops, such as by transgenic modification or what we commonly call GMOs, uh, or the newer technology of gene editing that also creates genetically modified crops. And there are many other examples we could use of the kinds of inputs uh, that are accounted for in total factor productivity. I'd like to add also that things such as land, uh, capital, and labor are very important parts of that total factor productivity calculation. And just to put it into sort of terms that we're hearing a lot in the media right now, efficiency is really related to sustainability. So 
thinking about how we're using our resources most effectively. As Tom just mentioned, the land is a really important input in agriculture, obviously, but if we're bringing new land into production of agriculture, sometimes those can those practices are quite unsustainable, like deforestation. So for the general listener, you can think about efficiency and sustainability kind of going hand in hand. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious how, how the report's comprised. What is that process like? Yeah, so through great collaboration, really. So Tom and I worked together with uh, our partners, you previously mentioned, our supporting partners, and we also have, I think, more than a dozen technical partners. So our, our technical partners are not-for-profit organizations that are really doing a lot of work on the ground, especially in sub-Saharan Africa or Latin America, really trying to unpack the challenges of how you improve productivity while also trying to improve farmers' lives and environmental outcomes. And so they really bring a lot of context to the challenges that are going on in the ground. And we really try to use the GAP report to illuminate those challenges and possible solutions, innovations, and ways that we can work collaboratively with these supporting and technical partners, but also with policy and decision makers as well to think about how we can, you know, maybe change regulation or, you know, bring more investment into the area from private sector and, you know, private investors to try to address some of the issues that are keeping us from growing productivity at a rate that we need to be able to achieve in order to um, provide the world the agricultural outputs it needs by 2050. As our population continues to grow, the, the burdens and the pressures for agricultural productivity are just going to continue to grow. So we collaborate a lot. We also look at what sort of issues are emerging from global dialogues. So there are a lot of different events around the world that happen where policymakers, decision makers, again, convene to talk about these issues. And actually, agricultural productivity is really becoming front and center because of the, the connections to environment and climate, um, but also to societal and economic outcomes as well. So we take a look at you know what's going on, what the conversations are, what the questions are, and then try to position the report in a way that we can start to, to bring some answers to light. That sounds like a tremendous amount of information. And feel free to tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're trying to create a, something that shows, shows the story of where we are exactly. right now. And, and that's a great point as well. So in addition to the theme of the report that we have every year, we also use a, a data product from the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, that, that helps us provide uh, um, compute the calculations of total factor productivity and also helps us break it down by country and region and over more than 50 years of data, I guess, because we really uh, focus on the trends in productivity growth as opposed to, you know, what is our agricultural productivity level this year? That gives us less information about what's going on than the trends do. So we work together collaboratively with USDA as well. Um, to, to do some data analysis, which is presented in the report. And then we work collaboratively with these partners to tell the story behind those numbers. For somebody like me, just kind of an average person, what, what do you hope that somebody like me gets from the GAP report? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think, you know, science-based information we hear a lot about, and it sometimes can be a bit ambiguous what it means. And I think really blending science and storytelling is a really important way of understanding how information that's 
you know, described as science fits into the context of our lives. So what does it mean for agricultural productivity for the common person? Why is it important? And what are the issues going on in the food and agricultural sector? Um, I think that the report can be an outward facing tool to understand some of the trends. And as a common consumer, what should we be, what should we be concerned about um, in the agricultural landscape? And then, as you mentioned, of course, we hope that the report helps influence decisions and investors. You know, if you have some money to invest, this might help inspire you on where you can start kind of putting your money. There's a lot of really new and cool emerging startups in the ag space, and Virginia Tech is connected to some of them. Uh, Really exciting businesses emerging here in Virginia as well. And so it might, you know, provide you a little guidance, provide some investors um, some direction on on the issues that we really need to be focused on to to tackle some of the challenges. Well, I watched some of the past reports. I, you had people from different areas of the country talking, and I'm not sure what if that's always the format or, or just was this time. But it seemed like there was a lot of talk of uh, and a lot of demonstration of how innovation was maybe playing a role in increasing that 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 total factor productivity. So I'm curious from from you all's perspective as folks that work in this area. What is one piece of innovation that uh, somebody might apply today that would make an immediate positive impact? It's a harder question to answer than you might think, but because it depends very much on the farming system that we're talking about. You know, we this is the Global Agricultural Productivity Report, but um, a lot of our focus, certainly not the exclusive focus, but a lot of it is on the uh, lesser developed countries of the world and where total factor productivity growth and really agricultural productivity overall has been lagging and is low and food security is often threatened. And so we do spend a lot of time thinking and talking about what kinds of innovations would make the most difference. I'll give you a a little insight into uh, this year's report, um, which is titled Every Farmer, Every Tool. Uh, So it's the gap report, but Every Farmer, Every Tool is is the title. And what we're really talking about in this uh, issue, in this edition of the report, is yes, and, and we are all for continuing agricultural innovation, and that is going to be the key to a sustainable agricultural future. But in fact, there are many, many agricultural innovations that already exist that simply are not accessible to many of the world's farmers. I would say most of the world's farmers uh, because of, of of structural challenges, because of financial challenges, because of poverty, because of lack of infrastructure, policy, I mean, many, many reasons. And so, um, as we think about what are those innovations that can make a difference, you know, in a developed economy, such as the United States, farmers, you know, maybe it's the adoption of precision agriculture techniques, which some people would call kind of prescription farming, uh, farming on a scale where we can actually impact almost down to the individual plant level. But in a lesser developed economy, those it, it may be much more simple innovations than that. Um, and many times they're not, a, they have not been adopted by farmers because they simply don't have the information. And so an innovation that is not an innovation is good agricultural extension, for example. I would say, you know, if you, if you would empower me to make the difference in one area in, in the world, I would say creating 
or empowering good agricultural extension systems so farmers have the information they need to understand what innovations can do for them. So I know that doesn't exactly answer your question, but uh, I hope it at least uh, addresses the spirit of it. No, I think that's a great answer. I think in information is the tool. I feel like you all have this this big picture knowledge of where we are globally with agriculture. Uh, I'm curious, kind of to end this podcast, what is something that gives you hope? Uh, I'll say I'll start first with one thing that you know is not very hopeful, and that is trends in agricultural productivity in sub-Saharan Africa, which really lag behind. And the consequence of that is it is food insecurity, but but even more than that, it is the it, it drives people to need to adopt unsustainable practices in agriculture. And in sub-Saharan Africa, much of that is um, expanding the agricultural footprint. And and that can uh, have very uh, adverse impacts on biodiversity and environmental quality. On the other hand, one thing that gives me hope is that it was a few decades ago when we were saying the same kinds of things about Asia, South and Southeast Asia. And um, you've heard of the Asian tiger and the Green Revolution and things like that, including technological change in agriculture, has completely changed the picture. India is a net food exporter and has been really for more than a decade, I think maybe maybe close to two decades. And countries in Southeast Asia have... Uh, uh, much higher productivity growth than they used to. So change can happen and it can happen on a very large scale in agriculture and it can happen in a sustainable way too. And so that gives me hope. We, we've seen it happen and it can happen again. I think what gives me hope is just the vigor and excitement and enthusiasm that seems to be going on right now with multi-sectoral collaboration. So Companies and not-for-profits or non-governmental organizations, universities, people, farmers themselves, you know, everybody seems to be really oriented around tackling the challenges we're seeing in agriculture and drawing a lot of energy from that mutual desire to address these challenges. And a lot of times it's really oriented around trying to make the lives of farmers better, also our environment better, which goes back to making the lives of farmers better. And, and their societies in which they live. And so it's really exciting to see, you know, people I've known that, that never knew much about agriculture. They're knowing more about it now because it's more present in the media. In, and that can be in mainstream media, uh, like news, but also, um, you know, more shows on Netflix about food and the food chain and uh, other types of really exciting um, sort of presence of food and in uh, our food systems are, are really front of mind right now. And so, especially for me, it's really exciting time to be in this space. And um, yeah, more of my friends and family seem to have a grasp of what I'm doing lately because of it. So um, yeah, it gives me a lot of hope. I think, I think we can tackle these challenges. And thanks to Tom and Jessica for sharing a little bit about the Gap Report and helping us all have a better understanding of where we can go to understand how we're really doing on food. I'm Travis Williams, and this has been Virginia Tech's Curious Conversations. Mm-hmm.